Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the party. My name is Joshua Stein, and I'm very happy to bring you this next episode of Sports and Torts. Remember, you can always find old episodes at www.sportsandtorts.com. And you can also find information on my law firm at www.jsteinlawfirm.com. We have a very unique and to me a very special episode today. We have my friend and a former client of my law firm, Kyle Schufreiter, in the house. I first met Kyle in November of 2020. Unfortunately, Kyle got in a really bad wreck that month and it left him having to undergo multiple surgeries and ultimately he was hospitalized hospitalized for a week. I met with him and his parents when they got home from the hospital. And let's just say Kyle looks a whole lot better today than he did when I first met him. (laughs) So Kyle is a great person. He's now a friend of mine and I appreciate him coming here today to share his story with us. Kyle. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Josh. Well, Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome here, man. It's Friday morning in my office. We just had some chicken biscuits from Chick-fil-A, which never disappoint. No, right? I got to say, that's the. I saw you do the honey thing, but I'd never done that before. So honey is, I, I used to do jelly, yeah. and then I transitioned <laughs> to honey because when I eat fried chicken at night for dinner, that's always a good kind of side thing. So that's kind of what I've been doing now. I got, I had, what, is your, what is your condiment of choice for the chicken biscuit? So I usually do the jelly. I do the jelly, but I was I was looking to say do the honey, and I was like I was like oh it's like I better do it too. Did you follow felt, suit? Felt the pressure. I was okay. like okay, but it was good. So what do you think? I'll, I'll probably do it again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, great to see you. You're looking good. You feeling good now? I feel good. I feel good. Still got um you know a few hiccups here and there with with the knee. The knee's been the most troublesome part of it, but my hip feels great. My leg feels great. Um, starting to jog a little bit. Trying to run. Like I'm not you know. For whatever reason, we get an influx of like tigers or something in the area. Like, I'm not going to make it. But, right, right, but, right. But I'll get a good 10, 10 foot spread. Well, let's hope you don't find yourself with an influx of tigers. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you look good. Like I said, the first time I met you versus today, um, I'm out seeing your progression over the, the last, I guess it's been almost two years. Pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so keep on, keep on. You're back at work. You're an occupational, pediatric occupational therapist. Yes. Yep. Back, back full time, able to do all time, that? Back full time. You know, we. we eased into it and then uh, uh gradually built up but now doing doing full time now uh full caseload it's going really well you have those days where you got to kind of ice down and stretch out but for the most part um it's good i was getting a, a little stir crazy there for a while with uh not being able to get back into it you know it's, it sounds nice like oh you have all this time off you don't really but um so kind of getting back into it and feeling like that purpose and everything again has been uh, I think really beneficial. Totally. You were chomping at the bits to get back to work, to get back to exercise, to get back to living your life. You did not like being sidelined. <laughs> you, not, no. um, you're newlywed. She got married yes. to your, your beautiful bride, Jackie. Yes. Yeah. We uh, got married this past May uh, over, over in the land of Scotland. Um, felt like we had to kind of do something big with, with COVID and the, um, the injury and everything. We the injury car wreck. Um, and we said, you know, it's been such a trying year, you, two years really with everything going on. Um, and so we kind of started as just a, a, a small idea that got bigger and bigger. And then once we had a couple friends and some of our family say like, oh, we'd go, we were like, oh, let's go for it. Let's do it. Um, and it was fantastic. It was beautiful. Married in a castle over there. Family came <laughs> we, over. We did. We did. I feel like I need to put like the little... PSA on there that you know the castles are kind of like parks there, so it's not like it's it's not like you know I don't I don't have any royalty in my blood that I'm aware of. But uh, I'd go the other direction, man. I, I would I would sell it like hell yeah, this yeah, massive yeah. castle, you know, like, and they had this whole you know presentation for y'all. Like, I just, come on, I wrote a little letter to King Charles and I said, hey, can you can you help me out here? And he was like, oh, Kyle, so good to see you again. That's um, awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, I'm so happy to hear all these good things. You, you deserve every bit of it. Now, you, now you kind of quickly glossed over the Coast Guard. I did very yeah. very. <laughs> very modestly, um, I know that you're, you're you're proud of your service, as, as we all are very proud of people like you that, that do so. So, talk about kind of the mindset of graduating college and then taking that as your next step. Yeah, so Coast Guard was always something I was kind of, military in general was something I was kind of playing with back in, in high school. I was kind of quiet about it, didn't didn't talk about it, but um, I liked the structure, the history. There there was an appeal to the ceremonial aspect of it too. Um, both my grandparents served. 
um, kind of something I wanted to do. 9-11 happened and um, wasn't sure in what capacity I wanted to contribute, but it, it was a it was a little bit of a motivating factor. Got away from it, went to went to college, and then after I graduated, uh, for about I would say a good good year or two, um, I was doing a little work in radio. You know, film industry was starting to move in, doing a little work in film, and I wasn't kind of I didn't feel like I was doing anything that that felt like a passion to me, felt felt worthwhile. I was playing music, loved music, um, and I was doing that, but you know, wasn't paying the bills, and I just I kept having instances where I was running into people that were in the Coast Guard. And I always say, oh, you know, I thought about joining after high school. I thought about joining after after college. And they'd be like, oh, you should, you should. And I went, there was five, five little trips I went on, um, some for work, some for vacation. And each time I ran into somebody from the Coast Guard. And finally, one of them said, hey, um, here's this guy's card. He's a recruiter. Just go talk to him and went in, we met twice, and then I signed my contract. Right. And uh, I, I remember he said, if this is something you wanna do, you should do it now. He goes, because more than likely, everybody's still gonna be doing the same thing when your contract's out. He was like, nothing's gonna, nothing's change. gonna change. He's like, but you at least have, have, have seen the world. So off to, to boot camp, basic training you go? Off to boot camp I went and I remember I was just thinking in my head like, wow, this is so cool. You know, where I wonder where I'm gonna get stationed. I had all these locations like highlighted in this binder they give you and then and then you come around and um, you pull up and you see the big signs for, for Cape May boot camps in, in Cape May, New Jersey, um, which sounds wonderful. And but you're coming in at night and all these lights up and then you can see people moving alongside the the bus and they call them the smoky bear hats. You see these Smoky Bear hats. Now it's kind of getting real. <laughs> and right. Like, okay. The bus. The bus gets quiet. Like it starts getting really quiet, and then you're pulling up, and you just you see all the company commanders lined up, moving back and forth. You can see like you can see them getting jittery, like waiting for you to get off the bus, and that's when you're like in your head, you're like, uh oh, <laughs> like, this, this is actually happening. Yeah, this is this is going to get very real in about a minute, and, and then an you're eight, like, no, eight, ten seconds. Eight week program. Eight week program. Um, yeah, it's it's eight weeks. It's about six weeks of training, and then the one week of, of prep for everything, and then uh, uh, it kind of merges into that eight eight week. It's not full eight week. I feel like I'm saying that. I'm going to get an email. It's like, hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't give away any secrets. Um, yeah. we can we can go back and get that stuff out. Yeah, um, and, and, and you end <laughs> yeah. up serving for five years, right? I did just about five years. I, yeah. I extended my contract for a year. Um, I was I was in Detroit, uh, which sounds crazy because people were like, "Oh, wait, Detroit has a Coast Guard," but there's so much activity on the Detroit River. Um, you, you've also got the captain of the port there, um, and it's a, a really really big search and rescue area. That's what you want to do, right? Rescue swimming. Yeah. I, so initially, I joined with the idea that I was going to do rescue swimming. I thought I thought I was going to do rescue swimming, or or they have a. a, a a PA component, uh, not physician assistant, but public affairs. And I was like, well, I can do maybe one of those would be really cool. But I kind of got really into the idea of, of, of the rescue swimmer. And I should just say, for all purposes, I had not seen The Guardian at this point. Okay. I had not seen it. <laughs> um, that's actually another story. But um, uh, I wound up uh, shattering my ankle right, right at the end of graduation. They, they put all this metal in. It's, it's an automatic DQ. It, there's, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so while I was recovering, um, I started working in the in the office area with the the commander and a couple of the senior chiefs, and um, started doing some yeoman work. It felt like a good fit. I was kind of getting interested in, in law at the time, um, and it seemed like a good parallel course to to move that route. So eventually, I went I went that route. Right, and then you told me that one time that you considered taking the LSAT, and I did go in that direction. Now you ended up going back to get your, your degree in, in, in therapy. Is that what you went to school for? Correct. Yeah. I went, uh, went and got my, my master's in occupational therapy here at Georgia state. Um, I went all the way up to probably about a month before taking the LSAT before I decided, I don't think at least at this point in my life, this is, is what I want to do. Um, which there was, I, I want to, in addition to my ankle, I wound up breaking my hand and went and started going to occupational therapy. To, to, to heal it, they had to outsource it. And um, uh, 
just happened that two of my friends in the area, I'm telling them like, yeah, I go to occupational therapy. And they're like, oh, we're, we're occupational therapists too. So, so I didn't, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know what it was. Um, so I worked with one of them and they were all different fields. One, one did pediatrics, another did acute. And then I had my occupational therapist that I was seeing through the military, um, who did rehabilitation. And I, it just, I was like, I don't understand how you can have this field that does all these different things. And I'm kind of curious about it. Um, and then started shadowing them and going and helping out. Eventually came back here once you know, they, they granted me medical leave and then my contract was up. So I came back home to, to finish up care and um, met with another occupational therapist here. She was awesome. She said, hey, you know, why don't, why don't you come and start shadowing? She worked with veterans too. So she asked me to come in and kind of talk, talk basically military with, with the veterans who were coming in. And so I was like, I think, I think maybe I should pause this and, and keep going here because it felt a little bit more of a calling to it. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll get into what you're, you're, the specifics you're doing now, which are awesome. And, <laughs> and I, I love being a lawyer. Um, I think you'd have loved being a lawyer too, but what you're specifically doing now in this day and age, what we just came out of with the pandemic, I think is just that much more important to society. So you made the right decision. No, no. And we'll, and we'll, and we'll, we'll, I want to talk more about it. Um, and, and we will get to that. Um, the wreck. Oh yeah. Uh, you were, I'm going to let you tell me the, the day wasn't just a random day either. No. Right. No. So, so I mean, I, I know it's nothing that you love talking about, but to set the stage, like talk about that day where you're going wreck happens and how that just changes your life. Yeah. So I was going, I had just gotten, I just got hired, um, as a pediatric occupational therapist and I had gone in the morning, we were going over some notes, doing a little bit of training. Uh, it was veterans day and they said, you know, go, go home and go enjoy your lunch or, or whatever you're doing to celebrate for the day. Um, and I've got a, a couple buddies in the area that we meet up for lunch every every Veterans Day lunch or dinner. Um, and it was very ironic because both had stuff come up with their kids, and so they had to cancel. So I was like, okay, I'll go, um, I'll go take care of a few things, and then I'll I'll go. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a diehard for chilies. I don't know why I always happen, but um, so that's, bottomless chips and salsa. Hey, you got to do you it. You got the boneless chicken um, wings. What's there not to like? <laughs> so I uh, I had finished up what I need to, and I was heading that way. And um, come up, come up to a light, and I remember coming to a stop, and then just seeing this. Uh, uh, I think it was, it was a Tahoe, right? It was a yeah, Tahoe. I guess in my mean. mind, I thought it was a truck, but um, I guess it's not that different, right? Um, and I just kind of see it, like it's moving, and it's not on the road anymore, and it's coming over to us, and I'm sitting there, just thinking, well, that's this is not good. And it, and it, but it, it's turning. And I remember my head, I'm like, oh, you know, thank God. It's, it's just going to miss us. And then the car just recorrects. And I remember we had just kind of started taking off for the green light when all this was happening. I remember just putting my foot down for the brake and thinking in my head, this is really going to suck. This is bad. And then the next thing I know, um, I don't know who they were. Uh, I never saw them. Um, somebody's in the window, you know, saying, are you okay? Like, are you, Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? And I can't breathe. It's just like, uh, not hyperventilating, but like, I can't breathe. Like all the winds knocked out of me. And I remember trying to move my arm. I couldn't really move my arm. And, and then a little bit later, uh, I'm hearing like, you know, Hey, Hey, are you okay? And I kind of still haven't opened my eyes. Yet. I'm just saying like, I think, I think I need to, I think I need an ambulance, like telling this person like, who's standing outside of my car, like they have no idea that I just got hit. Right. I'm um, just saying like, Hey, I think, I think I need an ambulance and um, them saying that the ambulance is on its way. And then as soon as they're saying that hearing the siren, you hear, sorry. then nothing. And then, um, I remember I felt something tugging at my leg and then pain kind of going up and hearing the, the metal crunching and everything. And I was like, what is going on? I hear someone saying like, Hey, like I hear he's, he's like waking up, like he's waking up and then everything stopped. And, the, and somebody saying, you were in a car accident. We, we had have to cut you out, try not to move. And then I think the plastic or something was in, I still have the scars from, but I think the plastic or something was in my leg. Cause I remember as they're crunching the car, 
I was in pain, <laughs> a lot of pain. Uh, said some things I won't repeat here, uh, but. And so just, are, are these first responders that are coming now telling you that we've got to cut you out of this vehicle? Yes. To, if I remember correctly, yes. Um, and they're, they're, you can hear the metal crunching here. I feel it pulling at my leg. I feel, it felt like plastics coming out of my leg, like literally coming out of my leg. And then it had started raining. So, the, so they get it off and I'm kind of feeling the, the water hit and the, and the guy saying, Hey, can you, can you move your leg? Can you, can you get yourself out? And, I remember I went to go move my left leg and I could lift it a bit, but I really couldn't move it. And I don't really remember seeing anything. And I just remember moving my leg down and feeling something very slick and something sharp. I thought I cut my hand. And I said, I was like, hey, I, I was like, I, I don't, uh, I was like, I'm not sure, but it, I think my bone's out. Like I was like, I think my bone's out. Is, is time standing still or is time going robo fast or do you have no concept i would say I, I was not aware of time period at this point didn't 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 seem to exist didn't seem to it just it was almost the best way to describe it is like you're stuck in a moment of time kind of floating in the ether like everything's going around everything's going around yeah. you and you're just you just yeah, you're you just are. here like you're you're like in a walnut like you just sit there yeah. um time is everything's going around you time standing still you're probably thinking the hell happened to me. Where am I at? I got to get out of this situation. All of it. Yeah. I didn't really know what happened. I mean, I knew, I knew I got, I knew I got hit. I knew, I knew I was in the accident. Um, there's, there's multiple components going on, um, too, because as they're, as they're getting out and I'm telling the guy, I'm like, Hey, I think my bones out and everything. I'm kind of starting to wake up a bit more. Um, and the guy like grabs my hand and he says, Hey, uh, your bone is out. I just, just don't look down. He's like, I think it's best if you don't look down. And, you know, I heard the stories I did eventually look down. I just don't, I don't have much memory of it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like they're, they're asking me questions and I don't, I don't have any of the answers. Like, this is so, in your, this is your leg. Yeah. So my, my legs here, they're, uh, they're asking me like, can you move it? I'm trying. And then eventually once they saw the, the bone was out, they're like, let's not do anything. And the whole time the, there's a piece of the bone just sitting in my lap. Like, wow. sorry, that's kind of, I know. No, that's, that's, that's but, um, the story. And the guy's like wrapping it and he goes, hold on to this. So you're <laughs> like, you're holding on to your it. bone. So I've got it in my hand and I'm just like, oh gosh. And I, I kind of did look, look down, down, like look down. I just saw part of, I, of course, of all days I've got like, like khakis on and I'm like looking down. Like, oh, that's, that's not, you, you can't khaki. help yourself but to look. Right? right. And so I remember I just kind of looked back and then it felt like I was out again. And I remember also I came back to pain. They're, they're putting me on the gurney. And, um, one of the police officers is asking me like, you know, uh, who should we contact? What's your last name? I, I don't know any, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know my address. I don't know anything. And they were like, well, you, my head was pretty busted up. They were like, you, they're like, we think you have a concussion. You, do you, all these answers I should have known. And the craziest part is I remember telling the guy saying like, I knew my name, didn't know my phone number, didn't know anybody else's phone number. And I, I told him, I said, Hey, I, I just graduated from a medical program and I know I should know this information, but I don't, I don't know. I, I was like, so I'm pretty sure I'm something's oh, wrong. Oh, something's wrong. Something's and he wrong. goes, yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, but you know, you, you're fine. Like, don't yeah. worry about it. Um, and then I don't, I don't remember anything. Like they said, I never lost conscious. I, maybe I didn't. I just, maybe the adrenaline was yeah, just going. They got you into an ambulance and they took you to a hospital and then I take you to, to another hospital. Yeah. We had to go through two different ones. Um, uh, just to, to tie that one part up is they found my phone. It was in the, in the, I think it was in the road, this same phone. I somehow that's, that's the worst that happened. So, Shout um, to the yeah, Apple. yeah, I got protected, demolished. Protected the Apple phone was, Apple fine, was fine. Yeah. Um, and he held it up to me and said, is this your phone? I looked at it and I said, uh, and I'll send, I don't know why, but I was just like, I'm, I feel like there should be like camo backing on the back of it. And he flipped it over and he goes, yes, there, there is. And then it was like a lightning bolt went up my spine. And he goes, one last time, do you know the password? And I was like, boom, 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 boom. And then I, this is my dad's name. This is his birthday. Uh, this, this is my girlfriend, girlfriend at the time. And I was like, girlfriend at the time became wife. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We love you, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> just gonna be like, what? Um, and then it all came back to me, but they got me to the, and then they got me in the ambulance. I, and then I, I was out again. I don't remember. Came back to you. My dad's there. Um, they're all looking at me and I'm just like, oh, this is, 
I'm yelling at the top of my lungs. They're trying to do x-rays. And they're this saying, is at the hospital. This is at the hospital. So you, you kind of next come to at the hospital. And then is it another situation where you're like, where am I? How did I get here? Or are you kind of aware of what transpired? Kind of, I got a good idea of what's going on at this point. I knew it was an accident. I knew it wasn't great. Um, I, at this point, I'm, I'm in pain. They're doing x-rays. I'm looking down at my leg. And I'm seeing it all strapped up. I don't, you know, I don't think it was a tourniquet or anything. I don't really know. I don't remember. Uh, but I remember looking at them and saying, Am I going to lose my leg? And everybody just looked at each other. And I remember being like, ah, oh. like, yeah, like, that's for. not what I wanted to hear. Um, my dad's there. And I remember looking at him. And of course, you know, they've got me on a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, oh, how did you get here? Yeah. <laughs> like, where did you come from? And he's like, it's going to be OK. You're all right. Uh, and then they said, hey, we we have to take you to another hospital. Um, and I'm like, well, OK, why? And in my mind, I'm still like, they're going to take my leg. Like legitimately, like I was, that was a big concern. He's like, no, we think your leg's going to be fine, uh, but you have a hematoma on your aorta, at, which could potentially start causing your heart to bleed. And um, that's, that's level one trauma, which di still didn't register with me. I'm like, okay, because they said, we're going to, we've got to try to get the helicopter to fly you out. And like, that's what my focus on. Don't do well flying. Like, I'm just not, and in my mind, I'm thinking, that like in the movies where you're hanging on the little carrier pad and they're you're hanging from the bottom of the helicopter and they're playing like it's raining and I'm, in, I'm like no I'm not gonna do that like that's just not gonna yeah, happen. The, the mental picture that you came up with was not what you're looking. No, for no, and that's not at all what they were gonna do. Nor but, was it the reality no, what was gonna happen. No, um, you know it's not like Die Hard here or something. But um, so they 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 couldn't do it anyways because of the storms that were coming through. But I still that just didn't register for me. Um, so we we went down. Uh, to a level one trauma center. They couldn't get me into the one because, you know, COVID's going on. All the beds were full. So they had to send me down downtown, which was part of the drive. So everybody was a little on edge. We didn't know which which way this was going to go. Because um, I guess, uh, from what I recall, the hematoma was pretty bad. Uh, we, we get there. I remember Jackie somehow got there too. Again, you know, same thing. I'm like, oh, hey. hey. Like, I'm just... I'm feeling pretty good at this point. Yeah, so got I'm you just like, with oh, something to keep hey, this. guys. Yeah, it's like so great to see you. And, and she's trying, you know, she's she's trying to give me a kiss. I'm like, you don't want to kiss me. There's a lot of stuff going. And she's like, I can see. And the guy's like, hey, you're probably not going to be able to see each other for, for a while because he's like everything going on. So if you're going to do it, this is the time is to the do time. it. I was, like, okay. I was like, okay, if you really want to. Yeah, um, right. And then uh, the next thing I know, I remember periodic conversations. And then I remember all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm back mentally, I'm clear and back to me. And there's three doctors standing around me and they're like, can you tell us your name? And I said, yeah. And they're like, do you know what happened? And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is what happened. Um, and I'm looking down and you know, bandaged up everywhere. I've got markings, scar markings, just a whole lot of stuff going on. There's, there's actually at this point, there's still like little pieces of glass in me. But um, uh, they said, do you know what, what day it is? And I said, um, I said, well, it's, it was night last. I remember I was like, it's night now. And I was like, I know I had a couple surgeries, so I'm assuming it's very early the next morning. And they were like, you came in like three days ago. Oh, I was wow. just like, that was the part wow. where I was like, whoa, what? So you're there for a full week, right? Yes. Um, multiple surgeries? What all, what all procedures they have to do? Uh, multiple. So I had, um, they didn't have to operate on my heart. Thankfully, the hematoma resolved. Um, they were watching my lungs. I had glass in my lungs, um, glass particles in my lungs. Um, they had to, so my, my femur was broken into three places. Um, so they had to put in some, some hardware. We had put a, they had to put a rod in to connect the two parts of the femur. Um, and then my um, acetabulum was, was fractured in half. So they had to repair uh, basically the hip. Um, a lot of hardware in there, put it in there, connect to. And then um, I think I had three surgeries in the hospital. And then my tibial plateau was also uh, fractured in, into, I can't remember if it was two, three, or four pieces. Uh, essentially, what you, you know, that's, that's the stabilization point for your leg. That's, that's what's grinding up against your knee. Um, and they you couldn't had, operate. You had to go on back. It. I had to go, had back. To go back. They, they yeah. couldn't operate on it yet because there was so much swelling. There was so much swelling. They weren't sure my body could handle any more of the surgeries at this point. Um, and I think they needed me to kind of be aware to give them some information. Um, so, but the, the most amazing part is after that because they they would come in and check my pressure um, every day. Shockingly, the blood flow was not disrupted. 
a little bit, but not not to a level that was hazardous. Um, and my nerves remained intact, which was a big concern. And and I they didn't they didn't take my leg, so that was great. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I, well, I mean, I, I got connected with your dad while you're in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, and me and him were, were talking. And then when you got out, uh, he invited me to your house to to come and meet you and talk to your family about the legal options, which I know is always the last thing on people's mind, but it's important. And I, I'm always very cognizant of like me as a stranger walking into someone's home or their hospital room, which I've done times before. I mean, in COVID, you couldn't really do that. We weren't mm-hmm. letting visitors. Um, but it's always a strange feeling for me to kind of walk in to someone who doesn't know me, who has no reason to trust me, who just went through the most traumatic experience that they can. And I start talking like legal stuff with them. Um, I don't ever asked you or really any of my clients, but like what, what is going through your head when someone likes, like me comes walking in and starts shifting the conversation from your health to, okay, now what do we do from a legal standpoint to make sure you're protected? I think, so to be perfectly honest, we had a little bit of a benefit in that we had a, a mutual connection that, that you came referred to. You were, yeah, I was referred by a, a, a and, one of your and, friends. Uh, you know, I have a, uh, so, so we had that connection. That's, so that's, that's a buildup of trust right there. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've, me and my dad have always had a close relationship and he's telling me on the side, Hey, so this is what's going to happen. But I really, I feel, I feel good about Josh coming in and, um, his, his word carries a lot of weight with me. So I felt comfortable there. <laughs> then you have Jackie being like, I interrogated him. <laughs> you know, I really asked him a lot of questions and I feel really good about him too. So we had three different sources coming through where in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I trust these three people and they trust Josh. So I, I think it's okay, but I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been through it. Jackie was hilarious because she did interrogate me in a very nice way with all the right questions. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't know what research she did about the process, but she, I mean, if I were to say like, these are the five or 10 questions you ask, she was all over, which is what you want. Right. Right. I mean, like it's a big decision, a big deal. Um, and so she did a good job of like making sure that, you know, we were going to handle it the best way we could. Yeah. She's, she's very thorough. She's very thorough. Um, but as, as I'm sitting there, uh, and we start talking to it, like, I really, I just didn't know the process, honestly. I didn't know what way it was going to go. And, um, at this point, it's not like I started, I hadn't started rehabbing really not yet. Um, so it was kind of this time time lapse where you're just sitting there. You're not sure what the next steps are. You're waiting on all these things. Um, you know the bills are coming. Like, you know they're coming. Um, you don't know what's going on with the other party because everything's kind of quiet. And it's, it's like you're living in a giant question mark of just what do I do? What's next? So when, when you came in, I had all these questions, but it was kind of, a relief too, because we were going to get answers. We were going to know what the next step is. Um, I'm not, uh, you're sitting, I'm just sitting there. I'm not sleeping very often. Um, and you're kind of, you, you literally, you're just asking yourself, okay, what do I do? What do I do? How's this going to turn out? So it's kind of like that, that first step of, okay, now we're getting somewhere that's eventually going to get us to the end. Right. My, my goal is always to, anticipate what the questions are, mm-hmm. give the answers to those questions, answer whatever questions the client specifically has, and then yeah, outline what the path's going to be to get the answers and to get to the finish line, whatever that looks like, so that the client, you, can focus 100% on your leg, on your body, and to get better, mm. right? Every case has their individual challenges. The challenge in your case was not anything about the wreck, right? We got the police report. We knew why it happened. We knew the other person was, was a fault. We knew you did nothing wrong. Um, you know, we knew that you were badly hurt. So there was no question about, you know, did the wreck cause the injuries? Those, those, that was the easy part. The hard part for us was going to be, you know, all these bills are coming in. How do we make sure that we properly take care of them? Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's always a question that my clients have. It's like, I was in the hospital for a week. That's going to be super expensive. We know how expensive hospitals are. Like, what do we do about that? And so that becomes for your case, one of the things that we were really focusing on is let's get these bills. Let's see how we get them handled. Let's make sure this is not a burden that Kyle's going to have to, to, to wear as he starts his new career with his, you know, girlfriend's going to be wife. Right. Yes. And so that becomes getting insurance information that becomes getting financial information. 
um, things that, as I told you, are kind of out of our control in terms of what they look like, you know, and, and we kind of learn what we work through that. Um, but those are the answers that, that clients like you have to know is what are the avenues of recovery out there? Where do you turn to get them and how much basically insurance coverage is available? Yeah. And then from there, we talk about what the strategies are going to be, right? Yeah. And, and our, uh, our situation was, I think, I think it was unique in that, you know, we had several complications going in that, you know, the car was insured on their side, they were not insured. And then I'm going off of uh, veteran affairs insurance and we've got all this gray area and nobody that had answers. Like the VA didn't have answers. The, the, the people very high up at the VA had to go to other people because they're just, this was not documented. This was not, was not done. And all while we're tr still trying to get those answers, the hospitals are trying to get paid. And we don't know what's going on with the money. And the amount of stress that was coming in as you're starting to do your rehab and you're starting to take care of your body, and um, it, it was just a lot. It was very confusing. Your situation was so unique because the VA, as the, the health insurance company, has its own set of guidelines, which frankly, you knew very well. I mean, you researched, I mean, you were telling me like, Josh, this is what's supposed to happen, which is um, there's a community care network. There's all sorts of nuances. And so our goal was, you know, clearly this insurance coverage was there to protect you. Mm -hmm. The hospitals were kind of fighting us to bill, you know, the VA care because they wanted to get paid out of the settlement or out of the, out of the case because they can get a higher percentage potentially. And so you're left in the middle, like, I don't know how this is supposed to work. And so we had to work through all that. Yeah. Right? And so it was a very unique situation. And on top of it, you remember, too, the uninsured motorist coverage with farmers. Mm -hmm. um, what we'll say, the uninsured motorist coverage with the insurance company that your family had, they had all sorts of wonky things in the contract. So you were dealt with not only a horrible injury you're, you're working through, but some very unique and specific kind of legal issues that were out of your control and that were causing you stress. Yeah, and, and you, you go through it and you think all, all these people that you've been working with are supposed to be on your side and then you realize, and I get it, it's a business, but like you realize, for example, with the insurance companies, that there's all sorts of language they're incorporating into your contract to kind of, you're paying them to protect you and then the whole time they're trying to protect themselves. Um, and and I, I get it, they don't want to, spend a certain amount of money and the hospitals don't want to not collect their money even i mean as we sat down and went <laughs> through the reports of the bills it's like you know, you're getting billed for multiple things over and over and over again um and their justification for it just doesn't add up and then you have this va component who has a contract with them of what they're supposed to obligate but then there's this these lines in in that contract that says oh well if there's a, a payout you know we want that money versus our contracted rate because it's more but not taking into consideration that the person themselves uh doesn't really have a whole lot and you know we're talking years of therapy or in in this case the victim me if i can if i can say that yeah absolutely um and nobody wants to take that into consideration. It's just like, oh, there's money. Let's we want that. We want that. But you have a contract here. No, no, no. We don't. We don't want that. We we want the the more money. But you have a contract that's ready and willing to pay. And I, I have years of. Uh, we don't care about that. We want we want this money, now. And and there was just so many moving parts that, and then we're not getting calls. We're not getting callbacks because we're in COVID. Half the centers are closed, and we were kind of just stuck there, really fighting for ourselves and fending for ourselves and. Um, thankfully you, you found, um, what, what I can't, I don't remember the name of the clause that, that, uh, protected myself from the insurance companies, but also, uh, the, the clause it, for, right, well, um, it was one, we found out with the community care that they would cover it, uh, if it was, if it was filed for correctly, but then also with the insurance companies, they were coming they, they didn't want to cover it or, the, or there's some amount that they wanted more than and it was written in the contract that they they couldn't collect more than what was necessary. Yeah, like the right ma made whole. Made whole. Made whole. That was yeah, that's whole. right. So so what, what our job becomes in situations like yours is how do we prevent the money 
that that is due to you for what you've gone through not to go back to the health insurance companies or the hospitals. Mm -hmm. And Georgia has a great law to protect consumers called the made whole doctrine. And what we argue is that if our client has not been made whole, which which you you couldn't be made whole, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no money on earth that could have made you whole. Um, then they don't have to pay back that that amount. And it's a, it's a it's a great position. And we took that position. And what it allowed us to do um, was to negotiate best we could those bills down. Remember, we couldn't absolutely yeah. pay them back nothing. We had a lot of conversation about that. You and your family made the smart decision that said, I'd rather pay these hospitals back a percentage, a small percentage of the bill in exchange for them releasing any sort of, of, of balance owed to them so that you can move on with your life and not have that hanging over your head. And so y'all made what I think was a smart decision of paying them that small amount, they cleared out the debt and everybody moves on. Yeah, right. And because even even as we were ticking away at the the massive finance, the massive financial debt. I mean, that was that was absurd. Like to think that <laughs> we're going to save your life, but uh, you're you're going to be in financial constraint for the rest of this life remaining now and, and potentially carrying over. You know, your kid. Right. Like, it's like it was right. just so. It's so uh, that's like that's so. At the end of the day, about. our goal was to get. The, get the maximum settlement we could for you, which we did. Yes. And then it was to, out of that settlement, pay a small amount of that money as we could back to the hospitals to clear out that debt, which we did. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, have as much of it left over for you to compensate you for what you've gone through, which, which we did. Um, so it wasn't, I mean, I, I think that the result was the best we could have hoped for under the situation. Right. Yeah. And, but I think, you know, there's one part that we're kind of leaving out, which I think is, is very important is not only did you have to do those things, but we also had to set it up in a way that they couldn't come back to me years later because everybody left it with this overhanging. Like someone's like, okay, we got that paid off like, for now. Right. Or even though this insurance com company covered for it, um, they may come back for this later. Or, or yeah, I think everything's good here, but if something processes through the system a year from now, we may need to be reimbursed for it. And it's like, well, when does it, when does it when end? When does it end, right. And how long does this go on for? Because you know, I'm trying to get my life back on track. I'm trying to go do these things that I wanted to do, these things that I was supposed to do that I was unable to do. And like, we're, we're working hard. We're working with everybody and, and we're fighting and we're learning, but everybody just kept this. It was like this little cloud that everybody threw in there. It was like, maybe, so maybe, are we done? Maybe. I think so. I think so. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. And thank you for bringing that up is that, that, that y'all also very smart. They're like, we want this over and done with so that this cloud is gone. And that was the other goal was to make sure that these people could not come back and to make sure that you could continue to get the care that you needed, yeah. which is the other big piece of it too. It's like, just because this case is over, doesn't mean that your need for therapy or future treatments down the road is over. So that's got to be available too to cover you. And you shouldn't be having to pay that stuff back out of the settlement right. that you had. Right. So how did you keep such a good attitude and outlook during <laughs> all this? Because I mean, I sincerely, mean this when I say I can count on one hand the clients I've had that have had the outlook and positive attitude that you had and you were faced with just outrageous circumstances. So how'd you do it? I, I think being educated and informed plays a huge role in coming to terms with where you're at in your situation and understanding the process. Um, I think that was one that, that helped a lot, uh, asking the right questions. Um, as I would advise everybody to do, there is no wrong question. If you're looking at a question like, oh, that seems kind of stupid or, or embarrassed, just ask it. Just ask it because it will help you in the long run. Even if it's just a, a small, to, even if it's a small bit to just make you at peace mentally with your thoughts, go ahead and ask it. Um, staying informed and educated. Selfishly, I would say just in general, I'm a patient person. So I was like, I realized that this is a situation I'm at. It's not going to resolve quickly. So I just have to do the best that I can going forward. Um, unselfishly, uh, I had a great network around me. I have, um, you know, we, 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 we basically moved into my parents' living room. Uh, my parents are wonderful, fantastic people. Uh, both face, have faced adversity in their life that they've overcome. So they understood and were promoting. I have a wonderful, uh, wife who was probably my biggest champion. And we had an incredible network with you yourself, um, as well as my care team that were just, everybody stayed on top. Nobody got, nobody got down, nobody got frustrated with everything. Everybody stayed pretty even keeled, but a lot of it I would also associate to, to the military. Like you're, you're in the thick of it. You just gotta push through it. And 
you can be upset about it, but it's you're just wasting your time. Not going to change. Like, take take make, five not minutes. Make any better? Yeah, take five minutes. Scream in your pillow, punch it, do whatever you got to do. Be done with it. That's yeah. not going to help you. I don't I don't know the other person. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know them. I'm not going to be mad at them. I'm just not. It's a waste of my time. It does nothing. It'll get handled on their side. You got to focus on what you're doing and start pushing through. Beautiful. I, I think you put that so well, and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I really do. I mean, people need to hear it because people bad things happen to people all the time. Yeah. And if you feel bad for yourself and soul can just lay there like it's not going to make it better, what you just said, which is very hard to do, but you you carried it out, is absolutely true. The other thing that you wanted to do was make sure that the next person that was in your situation maybe had an easier time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you got connected with with some Congress folks and some politicians and we can talk a little about that or we don't have to, but that was the thing that, that you, was important to you was to say, Hey, this is how I'm being treated. You know, this, this isn't right. This isn't good. How can we make this where the next person that had this happens to a little bit about that? Yeah. I remember, um, you know, we all got together in my living room. We had, we had a conversation about should, should we reach out? What happened? I remember you said like, what, what, you know, can't hurt. Like at the very, very worst they say, they say no, or we don't get a response. At the very best, we get a response, and maybe they help um, facilitate and get this get this moving a bit quicker. Because we were really hitting some walls, especially with the VA trying to get some communication, um, and even then, it it was just trying to get the the hospitals to reach out and communicate. Because a lot of times, I felt like they're like, "That's not my job. I'm not doing it." But you want this information. I'm giving you who to contact, and you won't do it. Like you guys won't talk. Everybody's passing the buck to each other. Exactly, a hundred percent. So. Um, and we're thinking about it and it's like, we, there's there's no, it felt like we were setting the precedent. Maybe we were because from everything we were told, this hadn't happened before. And it's mind blowing to me to think of the amount of veterans that are covered under the VA and there's never been this single situation before. I highly doubt that. It's probably just never been addressed. And it's probably never been in the dress in the sense of like, we maybe had the best team to go forward and address it and go after it. And, um, so I, partially unbeknownst to me, my, my dad did say, hey, I, I really do think we should reach out to Congresswoman Lucy McBath and just see. And I was kind of iffy on it. I was like, I don't, you know, what are they, not gonna, what are they gonna do? But, um, you know, she's got quite a bit of history attached to the VA and veterans. And uh, so we reached out, truly didn't expect anything to come of it. And like that afternoon, it was that day. It was yeah, that day. Same day. Yeah. Uh, her team reached out and said, "Let's let's get on the phone and see what we can do and and what we can do to help." And they did. They they did great. I mean, obviously, same thing. We got we got stalled up at a few points, but uh, they when they when they sent that congressional letterhead that said, "Hey, um, you know, we need some response." Here's the official declaration that you have this much time to get a response back. I think it was that week they started talking. It was pretty powerful. It was, it was pretty quick. It was pretty powerful. I mean, I was copied on that on that letter, like you said, the official letterhead, her signature, her directive, and that that made people move. Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember reading it. I was like, Whoa. I was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, damn, I better do something. So she, was, I, I'm like pacing in my kitchen. Like, she, what she was cool, man. I was impressed with her office. Obviously, they took a liking to you. I mean, who who couldn't? They ended up doing a video. <laughs> they did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. Which, which, you're, which makes you now famous. Right, locally famous. Locally famous. Yeah, yeah you've been stopped before. I right? have. You're the guy from the video. Yeah, I, told, I kept joking with Jackie. I was like, I'm just going to set a table outside uh, Publix one day and like just start signing autographs. Nobody asked me to be there. I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but so, so really Congresswoman McBath did a video about this story featuring Kyle, and uh, it was good. Uh, it was good. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was, it was pretty cool. Um, it was interesting doing the interview and leaving that meeting like what did i even talk about yeah. <laughs> like i was just like man i hope I, I hope it came out okay and i i thought it looked really good um her, her team did a fantastic job yeah, it's and, awesome and they, well it, it it's it's it makes me smile that you're here smiling right now you look good i mean I, how does your body feel i mean your legs still give you a little trouble or i i feel i feel good um there's always a question in the back of my mind of like oh how is this gonna affect me down the road and, and what is what I'm doing currently right now um, is that something that's that's feasibly possible to keep up for the next 10 15 years doing your therapy work you yeah specifically yeah, talking it, about yes. it's, it's a physical job yes um, the knee the excuse me not the knee the the hip for the most part feels great I'd say 90% of the time it's, it feels fantastic 
the the femur. I I don't have any pain. I never noticed it. where the scar is because that's, that's a massive scar. Um, that can get pretty tight. Um, and then of course in the changing of of the weather, uh, it, it can get a little locked up in my hip, but that's pretty good. The, the knees, I'll have good good weeks and bad weeks. Um, there's there's days I wake up and I don't feel like I can move it or it's just, um, I feel a lot older than I am. <laughs> I feel like I'm picturing my, my grandpa walking. I'm like, oh man, we've got the same gate going right now. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but I think it's getting better. I'm hopeful it's gonna get better. Um, keeping up with the exercises. Uh, the, the biggest moment of relief I think for me was the first day I went back into the gym and actually did like a, a leg. I say this like, you know, leg day, nice. just, yeah, Squ- huge, squats yeah. and, you know, so swole. I'm not, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was on the it's machines. A, it's Don't a big get, deal though. Yeah. I mean, you probably never thought you'd get back to the point where you could be doing no, leg press it, it or so, it was, it was super embarrassing. I had to call my brother cause I got on and I'm on the machine. I'm on the machine. I'm doing it for the first time. There's some clicking. Like, can I do this? Can I do this? And I'm doing it. And like, I got like two tears kind of coming down oh. just cause it was something I wanted for so long. And you got all these high school kids around and they're probably like, that dude's crazy. What's wrong with this dude? Like, man, he must be really hitting his goals right now. He's, squat, he's squatting 45 pounds. <laughs> yeah. What's he so excited about? <laughs> he, he's just, yeah, just living his best life. Um, and I had to call my brother. I was like, I kind of teared up at the gym. And I think it got weird. And he was like, he's like, good no. for you, he's man. Like, you're, yeah. make, you're making me tear yeah, up. I'm getting like, all sappy. Well, I remember he was like, he was like, no, they understand. I was like, they don't even know me. They don't understand. They don't know my story. <laughs> yeah, they if don't. they knew it, they'd appreciate <laughs> it. Well, yeah. well, shout out to Wiles Therapy Service for Kids. Yes. Susan is a, has been a friend of mine for a long yeah. time. Um, that's where you were, care, yeah. you know, care over there, friend of mine. Um, so talk a little bit about kind of transitioning to be able to back do that job, which you couldn't do for six months, nine months, 12 months. I don't remember how long you're mm-hmm. out for, but you're back. Talk a little about what, what your day-to-day looks like because you're doing some great stuff. So I'll, I'll start out with also, yeah, shout out, shout out to Susan because she, she didn't have to hold she was so my cool. job and she that was, was so cool yeah that was the other thing is like i was like can, can i return to work like is that something that's in my future because i didn't know it was they even the therapists didn't really know i mean everybody assumed i'd walk again they just didn't know the idea was like hey the idea was you're alive and you'll be mobile but what what is this really going to look like and i think it i think it didn't come out maybe perfectly but probably one of top five best situations it could have at least hit in that mark. And me and Susan had met a couple, couple times, you know, we did the interview and she hired me and I'd had the first day in the training, but she didn't, she didn't really know me. Right. Like she, she didn't, she didn't have to do any of this. Um, but she did. And it wasn't like, okay, well, we're going to give you till this time to come back. She said, just get, just get better and we'll figure it out. And, you know, each week checking in like care packages, the whole staff and team over there. I'm, I feel like I'm shamelessly plugging right now, but it's true. They it's did. True. They, did. It's they didn't true. even know me. Like, they, they, didn't they, know they me. really didn't know you. And that's the thing is like you were about, you were starting to work there. Yeah. And the last, the last thing you need to deal with was, Oh my God, now I don't have a job. And Susan, I mean, I talked to her a lot during your recovery and, and she was just like, this job is here for Kyle. Yeah. And it was, it, and, 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 you're doing great. Yeah, and it, it was amazing. Um, she, I, I won't tell her story, but she's got her own personal story um, that that associated with it as well. Uh, same with Kara, and um, so so that that helped. But they didn't have to do any of that, and they held it up. And then we 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 came up to a plan where finally my uh, my orthopedic surgeon said, "I think you can start getting back into it." Um, and I spoke with my physical therapist, and they too said, I, yeah, I think it would be good. I think it would be good for you. And we, we slowly went to it. I just always laugh because the first day I showed up, I was at least still on a cane. And so I'm primarily working with kids who are more uh, table, tabletop based, working on writing, delayed fine motor. Um, uh, but I, I can't imagine from their perspective. Some of the kids were aware of me and knew who I was when I was coming in, and I'm coming in on a cane, like like Scrooge, like click 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 click, coming in. And I don't even have a cool cane. I've got like the old school <laughs> giant wooden cane with the rubber stamp uh, at the bottom, 
<laughs> I was just like, these kids must be terrified. I should have gotten you a Braves cane. Yeah, something. I should have thought, thought about that. We should. I, uh, they always joke that we should have had the kids like decorate the cane for me and walk there. Like, oh, nice. Because you have to go out in public a few times. I don't. Because you're like, working with cane. kids zero up to maybe 21 at the oldest, yeah. but a lot of them are five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you're you're working on their motor skills, working on reading, working on writing. I mean, anything they're kind of developmentally slow on is that. Yeah, uh, so anything that they're developmentally delayed on, we do fine motor skills, visual motor skills, um, a lot. Some of that's incorporated in handwriting, having the appropriate grasp, grasp strength, uh, making sure they are caught up where they should be at their age in comparison to their peers, whether that's academically or with independent living. Um, Could be something like tying your shoes to um, do they know their letter formation, letter recognition? Um, how is their ability to connect what they're seeing and associate it with their hand movement to reach out and appropriately grab that target and manipulate it where it's functional? How good does it feel when you've worked with a kid for a period of time to get them back where they need to be amazing. and they're there? Amazing. I, mean, I can't imagine anything it, that's more, you know, makes you feel better. It, it's it's amazing fulfilling. because you have, are you, are you familiar with the term imposter syndrome? Where, I mean, it, it's heavy. Like you're working with some of these kids and you're just like, am I even doing anything? Like, am I, am I even reaching them? And then all of a sudden one day, it could be as something as simple as they use a developmentally appropriate grasp on their, their, their marker. And you're just like, yeah, like minus one. Because for, for some kids, that, that, that seems so simple for us may actually be considered out of reach for them and to see them do that and they're proud of themselves their parents are proud of themselves you're proud of themselves and you're feeling you're like i don't know if i'm building a connection i don't know if they're reading with me and then they do it and you're just like whoa like they will probably they'll move on they'll do great things in their life they'll maybe forget about us but like you have that and it's just such a cool feeling i always say that the i, I kind of would go back and forth on on which field i wanted to go into and working um with kids is just so so hard so fulfilling. <laughs> it, it's hard and it's very hard, fulfilling. Hard and fulfilling and i feel like i feel like like people listening to this like there's all these things going yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, but um when I was going back and forth between those fields, I remember I had one kid I was working with as a, as a student and all he wanted to do was be able to ride his bike and they, they weren't sure if it was something physically he could do. Um, and we, we kind of worked on it. We started basics moving up and then one day we were like, you know, tough kid, took, had no problem falling down. Just fall down, you know, get mom, back up. Mom approved it and everything. Like, just, just keep going, keep going. And one, I think after it was like three weeks of working really hard, you know, not three weeks of totally work, three weeks of getting on the bike and going out there and doing it, no training wheels. And all of a sudden he goes and looks like he's going to fall and he recorrects and he starts pedaling and he starts doing circles. I'm cheering, You're the cheering. mom's cheering. And Everybody's then I was just pumped. like, I just remember thinking to myself, I got to go. I got to go into pediatrics. I was like, there's no really any other another choice or route well keep doing it man keep doing it every little benchmark you get these kids on is a huge milestone in their lives you're proud of it they're proud of it mom and dad are proud of it and it just builds itself to success so so i will give a, a, a clap to you, you. you. clap thank to you. susan clap to Kara. clap to, to everybody um before we wrap up though i do want to talk a little bit about baseball cards and <laughs> not just baseball cards but but just sports card trading yeah. cards in general because i know that's something you're into it is, it is. i think it's so cool um, is it something that you always, always did, like as a kid collect cards? Oh, I did. Yeah. I, I, I've, so I've been a collector my whole life. Um, I, I would say a secret collector. Um, if anybody's listening to this that knows me, they'll be like, yeah, we, we, we know. We, yeah. They, yeah, they're like, they, you know, I always had like weird little trinkets in my room and stuff and people like, why do you have that? And I was like, Oh, this is limited. Like, yeah. they're like, I don't care. Why do you have that? And I'm just like, well, all right. But, um, no, I've got, I've got several different areas that I collect in, but sports cards, was uh, a favorite of mine as a kid um my with my brother too but um my grandfather was so into baseball in sports in general but baseball was his thing and we would sit for hours going through like tens of cards that i had and he'd be like they're no good get rid of it keep this one you know do and he'd point out all these all these kind of cool things that i didn't know i never paid attention to it in the card and, and the history of these players to the point where um, I've always been a Cubs and Braves fan, but with the cards and stuff, like I would almost 
choose favorite players based on the history of the card, or maybe they had something that was cool. Um, and I would go after those cards. Um, a lot of people collect for rarity. Um, there's tons of people collecting who will be like, don't, if you, if you're constantly going into to, to, to the game, so to speak, to collect cards based on rarity or value, just stop because you're never going to get it. Right. Go, go. That, that's not the proper chase. Right. Go, go for the players you want, go for the teams you want. And then occasionally you'll find something rare that has worthwhile. And hopefully it's for something you want that you'll keep on and hold on to it because, um, I, I think one of the coolest things is passing these things down to to kids or like I've given stuff to my friends' kids before that I was like, I, I don't have much of an emotional attachment, but I know they're really into it and they'll think it's really cool. Kids do. do. There, there's something about the ba the baseball cards or the sports cards mm -hmm. in your hand, touch it, it looks good. I remember me and my brother in the 80s, we would get the tops complete sets, you know, the, yeah. the whole thing. And we'd go through and every night we would organize them by teams or by positions or by players. <laughs> and I remember he, he loved Will Clark with yeah, the Giants. Yeah. I th because he liked his baseball card. Yeah. I was a Ryan Sandberg guy. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Because of WGN would come during the day. I'd watch his Cubs and I liked his baseball cards. Mm -hmm. um, now it's transitioning to what NFTs. That's kind of a thing oh now. Gosh, are, are, yeah. are you into that too? I don't fully understand it. Um, I kind of, I kind of understood it and I, I got, I, I got into it a little bit because obviously when I was recovering, COVID's going on and where it was like a, it was like a boom in the collectible industry. Like all these things started coming back. Pokemon cards were like surging. Everybody, I think, I don't know if everybody just got bored or if they're just going through their stuff and finding and like a nostalgia. I, I don't know, but it was just like the collectible industry exploded and NFTs were I'm already in development with the whole connection to Bitcoin. I can't explain it. I'm not that in depth on it, but they have taken these little moments and at least from the sports side of things, they have like the static image, but then they have more of a dynamic image, which is what I, I kind of did a little bit of it with, with the uh, NBA top shot. They had these uh, dynamic images, like 10 second clips that were attached to a card and they'd have, they call them moments, like so many moments and you have this black, this, this block that would kind of pop up. It was, it was kind of cool. You click on it and this block shows the team and everything and it flips open and then it opens and, um, and you could get something as like, oh, a block, which unless you're a diehard NBA enthusiast, they, you know, whatever, I don't yeah, care whatever. about that. Or you get a dunk, which is all right, awesome. Or it could be like the rare moments would be like game winning three pointer by, you know, Kevin Durant in the finals, like stuff like that. And then they'd limit how many you can you'd get them on rare. And these things just started exploding. They created a market for it. Created a huge market. Out of nowhere. It. So NFT, non fungible token. Yes. And these, these I guess, Bonafide dealers are creating these moments in time, saying there's yeah. only a hundred of these. Yeah. So now they're worth something. They you, are. you got into it a little bit. You, you yeah, I, I did. I, like I said, I went through NBA Top Shot, and uh, they they had a great model on how they set it up. Um, some moments were only available to first time subscribers, uh, and then those prices would go through the roof, or people would be trying to find people to start their <laughs> start their own uh, account so they could get access into it. Um, or you'd have rare ones, you'd have vintage ones. But at, at the beginning, at least with the first, uh, sometimes they call them seasons, at least with the first, or series, so the first series, there wasn't a whole lot of people that were into it, and then it started catching on. But NBA just has such a huge market. Globally, yeah. Global, huge market. It's cool, It's everybody's into it, everybody can relate to it. Um, but you were getting, like, guys that were rookies that weren't doing too much, but there was only, like, 50 of these, and those moments were selling for an absurd amount. Um, I mean, I... I use, I think I spent maybe $20 on a pack and then never touched my own money again. And it just kind of took off. And then after that, then it got really big and, and it kind of got more like the cards where um, kind of figuring it out and finding those moments became a lot tough. And I was That's like, cool. I, I don't understand That's it to that cool. point well, where I could do it. I understand cards to that point. I, I don't understand it there. Where so what's your that. prize possession sports card? Uh, sports card, the 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 biggest one I have, which I've had for a long time, is uh, a 1979 Nolan Ryan. So right before the massive card boom of the 80s into the 90s, which you had all these cool cards come out, but they just mass supplied them. Upper deck, oh, uh, yeah. all, all sorts of, no, all, I, I, all I of them. About, but all but the different things. That Nolan Ryan is is probably one of my favorites. And then there's a, a cool holograph Chipper Jones I have that it's 
it's it's not worth anything. I, but they. I, I also love about the card game when you get like these misprint ones, yeah. or you get one's got a mistake on it. <laughs> I like see what you're doing, and 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 and, and, then, and then that like becomes a thing. So any any of those that you yeah, have. Yeah. So that... so there is one that's kind of um, it's considered rare. It's it's not if you really want it, you can get it. Um, it's the 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 Billy Ripken one where they. They took his photo and they forgot to edit it, and he had a certain name for his bat that was on the bottom of the bat, um, which has a uh, a pretty graphical name to <laughs> but, it. But it's something print- face. We'll something leave it at face. That. It's, yeah. it's printed on and the it's card. It's printed on there, and they. I think it was. I think it was Fleer. I think it was Fleer that actually produced the card. Um, and then they they caught it, and they. I can't remember what they changed the, the name to on the cards, but already so many of them have been released. And I do. I always thought I had one of them. And um, I kept going through, and there was like a couple binders I couldn't find from when I was a kid because we moved so much. I finally found it, and sure enough, it was tucked in back there. That's and I was awesome. like, so it is, it is kind of, uh, yeah, that one I like. I, I've, I've been, um, I've had a couple times people have been like, I'll pay you this much, and I, I, won't, I won't sell it. It's not like a super valuable card, it's but for cool some people, yeah. it's cool to me, and some people have value to it. All right, I have two baseball card questions All right. that, I, that I typed into Google, so blame, <laughs> blame them if the answer is wrong. Okay. All right, I'm going to use the words I used. Sure. All right, what is the most valuable baseball card of all time? Oh, that's the um, – uh, they just sold one, too. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm going to blank on the name. I'll put you Horse, on the spot. Horace? Uh, oh, no. They just – it just sold, too, at a massive auction. Um something Wagner? Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner. There we go. Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner. Yes. yes. Yeah, they just saw his, I mean, an absurd amount. Seven, so it was sold uh, recently for $7.25 million. Look, do you, do you have Google up right now? I can. How much did the Tom Brady rookie card sell for? That was another huge one. It just happened. I, I don't know if it was like a one of one, two. Like, they... It was one of those that they printed, and they're like, yeah, you know, seventh round pick. He wasn't going to do anything, and then okay. So you asked me how much the Tom Brady rookie card, according to Google, it sold in June for three point one million. That's insane. There's a Mickey Mantle card, nineteen fifty two. That was just at the auction in which New York. Twelve point five million. Yeah. So the Honus Wagner, I think, is the rarest it card rare. of all yeah. time. The, probably the fewest, and then I, I think that the biggest number that was was um, received for a card was a 1952 Mickey Mantle. That's wild. Some kid up in Brooklyn or Manhattan got that in a bubblegum pack and hopefully kept good care of it, right? You know how many people got that card and probably, like, tossed put, it? You know, they used thing? to put it in the spikes of the they bike, put it in the right? spikes. My, my, grand, my grandpa had uh, baseballs signed by some of all-time greats. But he didn't have, you know, we're, we're talking like what, a little bit post post depression era. He didn't have any baseball, so if he went to a game and he got a baseball, he played with it. And I kid you not, he's got a he's got a ball that's got uh, Babe Ruth on it. I think there's Jimmy Fox's on it. That's such a great point. Is that you know, like my my son plays baseball, mm-hmm. and all growing up, every kid after the game, they'd give a game ball to one of the kids. Yes. Yeah. And that kid takes that ball and the parents put the date on it and what the kid did and puts it in a shelf and the ball is never to be touched again because it's now like a trophy. Yeah. But to your point back then, they didn't have the access to these. So if they got a ball signed or otherwise, hey, we're going out in the yard. That's going to be what we use next week. Yeah, and he's got one. So that, that ball, and I've, I've kind of – we would – you know, I, I could take it to some place and get it valued and they'd probably just be like – Oh well, it's all beat up and stuff, and you know we we can't verify the signatures or whatever. Um, but we've always kept it, and good thing we did because it, in this case for that ball, it doesn't even matter that the signatures are on it. It's from one of the All Star games that they did in Chicago, and you can still see the stamp. And so they look for little things to authenticate it, and the stamps have to have the dual uh, red and blue stitching, which it has, and then they have the stamp on it um, signifying there's like a certain number or something, or, or there's something on the stamp that they use that they didn't replicate. So, and it's all on there. And, and so I'm like, the ball itself. So it doesn't even matter that the autograph, the ball itself carries ball itself value. Got, that's cool. Um, it's a whole other world out there. Yeah. It's, it's cool. But they just, uh, for forget, there's, there's one thing as a kid I did. I don't know why I did it, but I still have them. And um, so family's from Chicago originally. So big Bulls fans. I have no idea why, but I, as a kid, I got really into collecting 
the Bulls Dennis Rodman cards with okay. the different hair colors. The so hair I colors. have like 20 cards of, of Rodman with, you know, the USA, red, white, and blue, orange, green. Going through and, different stages of yeah, hair. You got Madonna in there. You got all the... Yeah, one of them had a pin where if you... It doesn't... I don't think it works anymore, but it was like a mood ring style where if you rub your thumb across it, it changes the color. Uh, what a character that guy stuff. is. That's yeah. good. Well, Kyle, I enjoyed this so much, man. I truly enjoyed this. Thank, yeah, thanks th for having th me. Thank you. Um, it's always good to catch up with you. Great to have this conversation. Thank you for sharing you know, details about which was a horrible part of your life, but you came out on the other side, man. Yeah. You're, hey, you're, still, you're still here, still here. Some people yeah. don't get so lucky. So yeah. Yeah. Well, um, people will hopefully will hear this and if they're going through something similar, we'll inspire them to have the same approach that you did. And so for that, I appreciate you yeah. uh, sharing with us. So Absolutely. hope y'all enjoyed this as much as I did. Appreciate everybody for listening. And, um, as always until next time, keep chopping. <laughs>